Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. Welcome to Door Church. My name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the teaching team. So glad that you're here this morning. And um, man, hopefully you, you've come ready to, to praise Jesus in song, but also, uh, as the announcement just said, just get a gospel shot in the arm is because we're all walking in life uh, in, in different areas and it's all, you know, it's hard. And we come here to, to see Christ more rightly and be filled with his strength. Uh, and so I'm just so grateful that you're here with us this morning. Uh, as we mentioned in those announcements, we are looking for a TDC Kids Minister. And that may be you. Uh, so if you felt like, man, that, man, I would like to learn more about that, you should, because we'd like to, to hear that. And if you know someone who might be just a great candidate, please send them our way, send them some information, admin at thedoorchurch.net. Um, uh, Julianne Price and Katie Moore are doing such a good job here uh, with our kids and gospeling them up, creating a, a gospel environment, which is a safe, fun, Christ-exalting environment. Yet, this is an important ministry uh, where we want to, to invest with a full-time person, and so we're still on the hunt for that. We feel like uh, the best advertisement is, is people. So pray about it and also uh, maybe point us to, in the right direction of like, man, uh, th- this person would be really good. Um, if you have your Bible, be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at 17 through 32, Ephesians 4, 17 through uh, 32. Uh, if you're keeping notes, the sermon title this morning is The New Life in Christ, A New Life in Christ. And verse 17 says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed through uh, the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in, the tr- in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members, uh, for we are members one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with uh, anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So that's the word of God. Uh, let's pray. God, I thank you. I mean, just for this time that we can gather to be under your word. I pray we'd be under your word. We'd submit to what you say. I pray that the Holy Spirit would make uh, Jesus clear and compelling and beautiful this morning, that we would be, become more like him, that we would be 
uh, people who confess and repent and continually turn to, to Jesus. I pray for us to walk in that new life that you give us in Jesus. I pray for some that maybe not know Jesus, that uh, that new life would start this morning. Uh, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so the new life of Christ, it's this, you know, the, the heading, the subheading of this text. Uh, I'm going to break it down in four sections. I don't usually do this, but it's a lot of text. But uh, the four sections is this, compassion, clarity, centrality, and contrast. So we're going to look at compassion, clarity, centrality, and then contrast. So this is a glorious um, amazing text. I'd also say dangerous text. And you're like, well, what's the word of God? What's dangerous about it? Here's what's dangerous. If you take it out of context, um, it'll lead you on an eternal trajectory away from Christ. And you're like, well, how does the word of God do that? Well, if you just take this for what it is, you may just hear, this is how I have to live so God will love me. And you'll, you'll negate the previous three chapters that we've already been through. It's because of Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again. All that God has done for us in his son, and then we have this new life, not by anything that we do, but what Christ has done. Because of our faith in Christ, this new life has come into us, has now changed our eternal trajectory that starts here and now, that our life starts to change because of Christ. It's not because of, uh, I have to be good or I have to, you know, have these behavior modifications or look out for these lists of, of bad people. And if I avoid these, God will love me. And so we, ha- we can't ignore the previous chapters. It's because of Jesus. Now we live this way. And so the reason why it's so dangerous is the default mode of your heart and my heart apart from the spirit of God is self-justification. We love to try to make ourselves right with God, even though we may not say it that way, or another way to say it is to prove our life better than others. So we have this worth and significance. And so we're all on this self-justification project. And so if we give this list, we just may take this list and try to justify ourselves, which is, like I said, extremely dangerous. This is what we do. We, We love to build ourselves up and whatever we think we're good at, our own morality, our own ideas, our own whatever, um, political philosophy and like, we're the good people and they're the bad people. And this is what Jesus came to say, no, we're all bad people and y'all need Jesus. It says this in Luke 18 verse nine, uh, this idea that it's so dangerous. He says, he also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. That is so dangerous. What's the heartbeat of the church? Is we trust in Jesus. He is our righteousness. He is our life. And you know, you know you're not walking in Christ, not in step with the Spirit of God, if you're treating others with what? Contempt. As they are worthless and nothing. We can't build our life, our righteousness apart from Christ. And the, the, counter, uh, the, the counterfeit gospels will always look down upon other people. And that leads us into our first point, which is kind of an interesting point is we should be a people of compassion, <laughs> not, not contentment, not, not seeing people as worthless, but worthy in Christ, and it should lead us to be a people uh, of compassion. So verse 17, it says this, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So why is that interesting? Paul is calling the Ephesians church like, don't be like the Gentiles. Now what's interesting about that? They are Gentiles. So like, he's telling Gentiles not to be Gentiles. What in the world 
is, is he talking about? He's saying, don't walk in your former identity. Don't be conformed uh, to the, the way you used to think and interact and the morality uh, of how you were before Jesus. So when he says, don't be like Gentiles, what makes them different? What makes them different than the people he's saying don't be like? It, it tells us in verse, 20, uh, verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. What makes these people different than the other Gentiles? Jesus. Their faith in Christ has made them have a right relationship with God and has changed their identity. They're, they're a new creation in Jesus, not because they've, they've turned over a new leaf and that they're not bad anymore. It's because they are found in him. See, the message of the Christianity is we're all sinners. We're all, we're all not good people, but we, some of us have been found in Christ. And why is that so, such a big deal is it leads to compassion. It's not like you're better than. They've just simply been found in Christ. So um, I was thinking about this week, and I even talked to, to someone this morning. It's like, do you remember, do you remember if you're in Christ, what your life looked like and felt like before you knew the love of God in Jesus Christ? I, I can tell you, um, even from a kid, uh, I was hopeless in despair, anxious. I remember like, there, there's a futility we'll get to, like, n- everything seemed pointless. Like, why, why are we doing what we're doing is always a question I had. So like, why does it matter? Why, why do I go to school? And, and I, I'm not weird. Yeah. There's an emptiness of the life that's real. And, and my, my family put a lot of value on sports. And so like, so what if you win? Like, what does it matter? And, and, and it was just a, a futility of mine. And there's a, a, a darkness in my understanding that it, 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 um, there's, there's so much purposelessness. I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but apart from Christ, that is where the world is at. It should, it should drive you to have a compassionate heart that don't have hope, that don't know Jesus, that don't have the life of God in them. It says in verse 17, kind of what, what you were, what I was walking in apart from Jesus and what the world is still walking in uh, if they're not in Christ. It says they have a futility in their minds in verse 17. Futility of their minds. That is, life is pointless apart from God, and we know it is pointless. There's emptiness. There is no hope. Anyone that doesn't know Jesus, that's what they're, whether they admit that or not, that's the reality of their life. Furthermore, in verse 18, it says there's a darkened in their understanding. There is no purpose. There's no perspective. There's no direction. So apart from Jesus, you're empty and there's no purpose and direction to your life. I mean, can you, I was going to say, can you imagine if you were before Christ, that's where you're at. So you can imagine this is, shouldn't be hard for you. And some of you, this may be describing you right now. I feel this. I feel no direction. I feel there is no point. Ignorance. It says uh, further in 18 and a hardness of heart. They walk in ignorance and hardness of heart. So many times I get people that are watching people in the world and whatever you think's wrong with the world, they'll come talk to me and they're like, can you believe they're doing that or this is happening? And, and I honestly want to respond because they want me to join in their, their drama. It's like, what did you expect? Like, what did you expect? Like, if they have a darkened heart, a futile mind, and they don't understand, they're walking in ignorance, 
What'd you expect was going to happen? Like, how, how are you not compassionate and concerned? It, it then it goes on to say that in verse 19, since they have a since apart from Christ, there's an emptiness, there's no perspective, there's a hardness to heart, they're walking in ignorance to who God is and the way he designed things to be, that they're drinking deeply of the world and sensuality. They're looking for life. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose, primarily in sensuality, which is this phys- physical uh, expression and experience, trying to, to, to feel the world, to wake themselves up. And that gets into what you have in the sexual revolution and all kinds of chaos. But they're at least trying to feel alive, trying to make some sense of the world. I'm not justifying sin. I want you to have a compassionate heart of the search that they're on. If they feel nothing, have no point, there's emptiness. And there's, they're at least longing for meaning and joy. There's, and it talks about there's a, a greed, everyone... everyone is looking to find prominence and position through monetary means. You know, we have a childlike take on this, this, this life. When, when, when we are not satisfied, we think more. We just think more, and we just think more, and they're just searching in the world apart from Christ. And you may be experiencing everything I'm saying. There is true, there's no true joy apart from Christ. There's no fulfillment apart from Christ. There's no hope. There's no comfort. And there's just emptiness and despair and fearfulness. That should drive us to have a very compassionate heart. Why? Because we've experienced the life of God, the opposite. We have joy. We have purpose. We have significance. We understand the life of God by the grace of God. So we're not better than, so he says, don't act like the Gentiles. It's not like, hey, you're better than. Remember where you came from. And we're just one beggar showing another beggar where we found food. We're pointing to the hope that we found in Jesus. You know what Jesus on the cross, he's like, they are a bunch of idiots. That's not what he said. We said, man, God forgive them for they do not know what they do. You hear the compassion that comes out of the heart of Christ for people that don't know him. He, he, he's on the cross, cross why? Because he wants them to know God. He wants them to experience grace. We should be a grace-driven people that are compassionate to people who don't know Jesus. They're walking the futility of their mind. They don't, and we don't know better apart from the Spirit of God. Verse 18 through 23, I want us to look at it now through clarity, through clarity. And so I'm going to read it one more time. We'll talk about clarity. It says this, they are darkened in, the few, uh, uh, in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self. So clarity. The clarity is this, that we need to put off our old self. If we're going to be the people of God, you know, to, to grow us in this life of Christ, we got to put off the old self. Now, what Paul does here is interesting. He reminds them of who Jesus is and the trajectory of the life, his new life in Christ, but he also reminds them where they came from. Like, this is who you were apart from Jesus, but this is now who you are in Jesus. So take off what you were and put on something, uh, put on Christ. So in verse 22, he says, to, uh, to put off your old self, it also says that old self is deceitful desires. In verse 18, it's a hardness of heart. And so to take off um, really our old self is to really take off 
really the, 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 the love of the world. So apart from the intervention of Jesus Christ, we, we drink deeply of the world and of self. And when Christ intervenes, what, it, what happens is he reorients our hearts. Uh, he takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. He reorients our, our hearts, a new, uh, a new love around Jesus. So the way that we, we change is there's a, there's a death to self and a, and a coming alive in Jesus Christ. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, it says this about this, this new heart that uh, God gives us. It should be up on the screen. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So we have this heart of stone. We love us some us. We love the world. And what happens when you become a Christian is God gives you his heart a heart that starts to beat for Jesus and others. That's the heart of God. And what happens as your heart starts to beat for Jesus, your entire life starts to revolve around Jesus. And man, it's like a trickle effect in every area of your life. And it starts in your inner being that you're putting off this fleshly desire for the world and yourself. A new, new love has come into your heart, which is Jesus, and starts to change you from the inside out. A, a new affection has grabbed you. Another way you can look at it is... Uh, when I got married, you know, I was on this different trajectory. I was doing a lot of things for myself. I did what I wanted with my time. I, you know, I just did whatever. Well, then when I got married, there's a new love that gripped my heart. My bride, Marcy, man, this new love changed me. I got in front of people, some I knew and some didn't, and said, man, this is where my, my life's going to be. And then my entire life started to revolve around her as my bride in marriage. And it changed my time. It changed my priorities. It changed everything. What happened, though, a new love captured my heart, and it changed my world. This is what happens as you become a Christian. A new love, man, changes your life. And then there's this self-inspection that comes on, I mean, what you remove is, where am I not revolving around Jesus Christ as my king? See, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. When I say clarity, you, the, battleground, the battleground of your spiritual growth is you. The battleground of your spiritual growth is your heart. So who's the problem in the world? See, a lot of people want to, again, talk about politics. They want to talk about race. They want to talk about COVID. They want to talk about all kinds of different things. Who's the problem with the world? You and me, apart from Jesus Christ. And the way that we grow is allowing Christ to take more ground where? In our hearts. This is an interesting idea. We have to look at where are we not letting Christ reign? Where are we not submitting to Christ? Whether, maybe we're not submitting to Christ in our jobs. Maybe we're not submitting to Christ with our times. Maybe we're not, uh, our, the time that God's given us, maybe we're not submitting to Christ with our money. Maybe we're not submitting to Christ in how we view the gift of sex. Maybe we're not, we, we should allow, as we come around Jesus, he starts to align our lives with the new heart that he's given us. And everything comes into inspection under the word of God. This is how we grow. No, it's actually cutting away our old heart a piece at a, a time. The, not to love the world, but to love Jesus and allow him to reign and rule in our life. And it says, so we should take off. This is really a reorienting our, our, our hearts to Jesus and allowing our lives to flow from that. But then verse 24, 
It talks about that not only should we t- to take off, but we should, we should put on Christ. It says, and to put on the new self created out of the likeness of God and true, right- true righteousness and holiness. So there's a, this is the word that I have here is centrality. See, this is dangerous because I think so many people that hear this are like, okay, I got I to gotta be not bad. Quit doing the, the sensual things and doing all the bad things. Don't be greedy. I got to be good. And this is not what it's saying. What it's saying is that we need to center our lives cling more to Jesus. That's how we put on the new self. It says so much in verse 21. It says, how do you put on this new self? It says, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we start to behold all that Jesus is for us, that we center our lives on the identity in who Jesus says we are. And it says in verse 24, that we are righteous, we are righteous in Jesus Christ. You know, righteousness is what affords us to have a relationship with God as our dad. This is your identity. I'm trying to speak life over you right now by the word of God that in Jesus Christ, you are righteous. Now, so 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, and we'll talk about it a little bit. For our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. We have this relationship this position that God has afforded to us in Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you're a Christ follower, I need, to hear, I need you to hear that you are righteous and that you are spotless, that you are loved by God. Know how I know that? Because of Jesus Christ. Not only are you loved, God created you and he chose to redeem you. That means he wants you. How do I know that? Man, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that Another way to say it, God likes you. God likes you. So many people don't believe that. How do I know that? Because of the cross of Christ. So many people walk in guilt, shame, uh, frustration, you know, rejection. They don't believe what, what the, the truth of the righteousness of Christ brings. This is who you are in Christ. That you're recreated in Christ. You're redeemed in Christ. He is our justification. Nothing that we could or ever do could earn it, but Christ has given it to us. Can you walk by the Spirit of God in that reality that you're a son, a daughter of the King of Kings? Why? Because of Jesus Christ. This is yours. Do you believe that? Do you walk in it? Then verse 24, it says that there's a holiness that comes. So not only does he set you apart in Jesus Christ and and this identity, but this holiness is that God is so devoted to you that he's put his spirit into you. It talks about this life of God. The life of God comes into you when you become a Christian. There's a new ability to walk differently by what? The spirit of the living God in you. It says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, uh, earlier in, in, the chat, uh, in the book, it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and, and believed in him, what, listen, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, the praise of his glory. See, the centrality of Christ is not only we are righteous, but God has given us his spirit, this new ability to possess God, to live differently. He he calls us to be holy by the living God in us. This is the life of God. In verse 23, it says we need to renew, uh, renew this spirit, renew our minds in this truth. So, so many people are hurting right now. They're, they're 
marching not to, I would say, the drumbeat of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. They're marching to a different drumbeat. And there's so many ones I could list. And to try to list them all, I'd try to offend everyone in here. You need to march. You need to march to the tune of Christ. And how do you do that? Repentance. Somehow the church, the people in here have made repentance a bad word. Repentance is something we should do every time we wake up. We turn to Christ. We get our gaze on Christ. That's how we become like Christ. We should repent all the time. It's simply turning our eyes and our loves and our hopes to Jesus again and again and again. This is how you become like Jesus. This is what it means to walk in step with the Spirit of God, that we confess our failures, we confess our sins, we confess our idolatries. Why? Because there's the love of grace that covers our sin, and man, it moves us into being more like Jesus. We need to confess that we try to look for life in other places, and we come again to Christ. We need, listen, you need to be, like, if you come here just to hear a talking head and to hear some songs sung, you're missing the point. We come to experience Christ, to turn our eyes again once again, to Jesus Christ. The reason why we do men and women's Bible studies, literally my favorite day of the week. You know why? It's a group of men coming saying, Jesus is our hope. You know why? Because I forget it. I forget it. I'm the pastor of the church and I forget it every week. And every Thursday I'm like, dadgummit, Jesus is awesome. You need Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus again and again. That's why we have community. That's why we sing. That's why we pray. It's to turn the frequency of our spirit to who Jesus is. Some of us are not hearing from God. Know why? Because you're not tuning in to God. It's an issue. Repent and turn to Jesus and hear from him again. It's not that he's not speaking. He has given us his son and he's given us his spirit. We're not looking for a life where it's found. See, the centrality of Christ is everything. He says, put on Christ. It's been given to you. Walk in it. And then the last thing I'll close with is contrast. Verse 25 through 29, there's contrast. Verse 21, 22, is, I love it. He never, you know, we shouldn't assume Christian. I'll never assume you're a Christian. It says, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. The, the hope of salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. Now, works don't save you. I'm going to say it again. Your works don't save you. But if you have true life in Christ, there are works. They're a display of your relation with Jesus Christ. There's a trajectory towards Christ. And there should be a, con a contrast of your former way of life to your life right now. There should be a trajectory towards Christ every year upon every year because you're becoming more like Jesus. And there's not contrast. I'm concerned. Why? Because the, man, God is sanctifying. He's moving you to be more like Jesus. And the trajectory of your life should be Christ-likeness if you're a Christ follower. And some people are like, well, that makes me concerned. I'm okay with that. It says in Scripture to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You should examine if you're in the faith. And the way you can do that is by looking at your trajectory. Are you becoming more like Christ? And if that is not true of you, I would say you should be concerned and you should analyze where is my hope? Am I justifying myself or am I finding Christ as my justification. Verse 25, it talks about the life of Christ that should be growing into you. Verse 25, it says, therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So I'm going to give you litmus test, the trajectory towards Christ. It says to speak the truth with your neighbor. Do you sabotage Christ with the people that you work with, that you live near? 
When's the last time that you just spoke of Christ to anyone? It doesn't save you, but man, it shows you where your hope is. I think you should ask yourself that question. I'm not trying to scare you. I want you to think about it. And I'm not saying you got to try to headlock him into Christianity. That never works. But you should be seasoned with grace. You should be praising God for what he's doing in your life. It's, it's fairly easy to say, man, God is good, and here's why. Man, this is what God's been teaching me. That's it. Like, this is what God's been teaching You're not doing anything else. It's not that threatening. I mean, so I'll give you one. And you, I'm not, you don't have to be me, but... Uh, just as that football practice, this guy came to me. He's like, hey, you know, he's talking about all the conspiracy theories out there. I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not taking a shot at any side. He's like, what do you think? I was like, I don't know. That's good. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. He's like, you have no idea? I was like, no, I don't. He's like, you're not concerned? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a little concerned, but uh, how would I know? Like every side saying different sides, I don't really know. I can say is I don't trust anything. I'm just trying to read my Bible. He's like, okay, you're one of those guys. Like Jesus, Jesus is my hope. And he's like, well, I'm a Christian too. He's like, good. Jesus should be your hope. You shouldn't be so, so concerned with this world, right? This is not our home. I don't know how this thing goes, but this is not our home. When's the last time that you pointed to Christ in a conversation? That should be a trajectory of your life and, 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 and sharing who, who he is and what he's done for you. Verse 28 and 29 What's so interesting? He's like, hey, don't be a thief, but get a job. And so you should get a job. Listen, it says not to take care of yourself, which is a good thing. Right? I'm pro taking care of yourself. It says, so you can share with people in need. Why should we go to work? One, it glorifies God. It uses your talents, but to, to be a generous person. Are you a generous person? You follow your money, you can follow your heart. Are you generous with the church? Are you generous with people in need? Are you generous? It's showing you where your faith is. All those things don't save you. It's showing you where your true faith is. Verse 29, it says this, and this is super convicting. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. No corrupting mouth should come out of our mouth. So this, I mean, if we just do this church, we'd just be shining the light of Christ. We should be people that use our words to build up. That's, I mean, if we did that, we'd stand out in the world. Another way you can say it is our words, our words should strengthen someone's soul. Are you a complainer? Are you a backbiter? Are you a gossiper? Are you, you know, are you just talking about all the crud in the world? Are you giving life with your words? That's... Our words are so powerful. God created the world with what? Words. And he allows us to speak, to create life and speak truth over people. How are you using your words? Again, I, I say it, and, and some of us, I mean, I want to praise God for what he's doing in your life. You're like, man, I see, I'm not perfect, and this is not perfection, but I see a trajectory, and praise God for that. Others are like, you know, maybe you're none of those things. You should really consider where your faith is at. Are you in the faith? And it says in verse 30, some are simply just grieving the spirit of God. Maybe you're not letting the life of God come through you. I don't know. I'm not God. But you should consider what the text says. See, in verse 17, it also says that we're supposed to testify. When we put our faith in Christ and we act in compassion, we have a focal point of Christ in our life, and Christ starts to come out of us. The life of God starts to show through us, right? It's testifying to the world who Jesus is. The world should be able to look at us and say, there's something different about you. 
If you're a generous person, if you use your words to build up and you just share Christ, it's going to be easy to stand out in the world, right? And so what I loved is when I, when I started abroad in England, and it was, it was so great, I always played a game in my head. I always went to McDonald's because, you know, I like McFlurries at that time. And I always sit there. And, uh, and I'd look at all the people, and I looked a lot like them. But I'm, like, I'm not one of them. And, and I knew if I talked, they'd, I'd be a de- you know, like, oh, you're not from here. But I always wondered if they're looking at me, would they think I, I'm English? And sometimes I'd try to speak an English accent. I'm really digressing. The point I'm making is we should be, we should be covert in the world, but it's overt when we open our mouths. We should look like the world to a certain degree. But as we speak and as we live, there's something very distinguished about that, namely the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we testify to who Jesus is by how we live. We shouldn't retreat from the world. That goes back to the first point. We're not a holy huddle. <laughs> We're the people who need Jesus, right? And we don't go into the world and not look different. I've heard so many people like, no, oh, you know, I'm frontline ministry. It's like, no, you're doing everything they're doing, right? That's not frontline ministry. You're just in the world. You know, we're in the world. We're not of it. And we display Christ. How do we do this? How do we live the life of Christ? Paul closes this way in verse 32. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Why? Why forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you? We want the life of Christ. You got to have the life of Christ come into you. If we want to be gracious people, we got to be people of grace. That's what it's saying. And th- this, is, this is it. You know, because of our sin, we should be canceled. Like canceled forever. Like by God, damned to hell, have the wrath of God. Why? Because of our rebellion. But Jesus Christ on the cross, he canceled our sin. So we could have the grace of God. So whenever you feel like canceling someone, how could you dare do that? When God gave his son for you. He responded in grace. How can we not be gracious people? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would convict us this morning as your word went out. God, I pray that your spirit would allow us to be a compassionate people. (laughs) What's the difference between us and anyone in the world? It shouldn't be anything except but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that's different is that we didn't get what we deserved and we praise God for it. And we want other people to experience what we've experienced. God, I pray that we would center our lives once again on Christ. Tune in to the places where, God, you speak life. Help us prioritize, reorient this. It really talks about man cutting away things that are not putting us in, in a position to make Christ central. I pray that men and women, husbands, wives, and kids would consider, what am I centering my life on? Where is my hope? And God, I I pray that we would be a people so full of grace, so full of Jesus, that we would be a people that couldn't help but speak of your love and mercy, that we couldn't help but being a generous people, we couldn't help but forgive and help, be, help us be compassionate. God, help us use our, in a world that it's tearing itself down with this word, help us be a world, a people that speak truth and love and grace that strengthens people's souls in Christ. God, this is the new life that you put in us. Help us walk by your spirit to live that out. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.